now for the next episode of Letters from Home, sending encouragement to your doorstep by capturing the heartbeat of God's people one story at a time. Today's guest is Judy Ann Charbonneau. She and her husband Vince and their two girls live in Shoreline, Washington, not too far from me. I've known Judy for many years and she is a really good friend of my sister, Kim. Her life has been filled with so many joys as well as sorrows and I think there's so much in her story that I, I can relate to and I'm sure many of us will be able to and it's a story of victory through hardship and I'm just so glad that she's here to share it with us today. Judy Ann, thank you so much for coming. I'm so happy to have you. Happy to hear your story today. When I think of you, Judy Ann, I love to hear you talk about the Lord. The way you talk about our Lord always lifts me up. And when I think of God's glory, you come up in my mind. You so elevate the Lord with what you say and and just in your life and not without struggle. Life's hard. We we all have things. Yeah, that's So for thank sure. you so much for coming. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> you ready? I am. Yeah. What would, where would you like to start? Well, I guess, uh, you know, I might as well start from the beginning. I was born in 1970 in Wichita, Kansas. My mom was from New York, but she met my dad in the Navy, and, and uh, ultimately, I guess, they ended up um, getting pregnant, and it made my mom end up in Kansas, where she married my dad, and... That's where I was raised. Um, it was a good childhood. It was not a great childhood because my parents had really been raised by parents who struggled to raise them. So as my parents, they didn't really have a lot of tools. And so there were some struggles. I mean, they love me. I feel very fortunate about my childhood, but it was really hard. I think one of the hardest parts about my childhood, though, was that when my parents got a divorce, I was quite young, and my mom ended up marrying a Vietnam veteran, which had its own struggles because he had struggles, but the coolest thing that he had was a dad whom I adored. Um, I had uh, a Gramps who I spent every weekend with, and he was my bestest friend in the whole world, and and, uh, I just lived... I just lived for him, and and there were a lot of fun things that we did together, and and I just always thought that he was going to be there. And then in the seventh grade, my mom and stepdad ended up getting a divorce, and much to my horror, I also lost my grandpa out of the deal. And so it was seventh grade when I began doing, well, I guess I was smoking cigarettes first, which led right into marijuana. And then when my stepdad found out I was smoking marijuana, he actually gave me my first drink. So it's kind of weird that my stepdad oh. would give me my first alcoholic beverage, but that was the case. And a few months later, when I started the eighth grade, I had gotten in quite a bit of trouble with alcohol. And when my stepdad had gotten wind of it, he called me to inform me that our relationship was now over because I was now a drunk like my dad. And so that was just kind of, you know, middle school was really rough and losing that part of my family. And then I got into boys and not good boys. And so, you know, it was rough. At 15, I tried to take my life with pills, and it was more of a cry for attention, which I didn't get, so then it was something really that I kind of buried for a long time. Fortunately, a year after that suicide attempt, I met my husband, and I was um, 17, and... I'd like to say it was happily ever after. I mean, for the most part, it was um, 
Very blessed, very blessed. The two of us, after I graduated from high school, we moved to Washington State because the Wichita economy was doing really badly and Seattle was the most livable city. And my mom had actually moved out here my junior year. And so we followed the yellow brick road to the Emerald City. So she moved here She moved here, you? yeah. I had been dating my husband for about four months and my mom decided she wanted to move to Seattle to take care of her brother who was sick with AIDS. And uh, since I was going to be 18 in September and I was going to be a senior in high school, she let me stay. And so my boyfriend, Vince, of four months and I, we got our own place. And and so my senior year, I lived on my own and I was able to excuse my own wow. absences. And yeah. <laughs> uh, where was your mom when you were going through the struggles? You know, when you said you, you felt like it was suicide and that sort of a thing and alcohol, was she just kind of checked out or she busy was, with work? She or? was, she was kind of checked out, but you know, I guess a lot of my friends were drinking and smoking and you know it was just right. kind of the normal back in kansas kids were partying in middle school and yeah. if you didn't have sex by high school you know you were kind of weird and you know keg parties galore you know there's a lot of partying going on so it was really just kind of the norm so and i didn't feel like like it wasn't normal either so right <laughs> it's funny how that is your childhood you don't realize it's not normal until you grow up and then you have to process if you right think. and then you have kids who are going into their senior year and you're like oh my god you know I can't imagine not you know like being there yeah but you know my mom was just she was done and I was done it was this the natural next step so you're here in Seattle yep with your beloved Vince yeah teenagers living on their yeah, own yeah nearly wow. 30 years later here we are wow <laughs> incredible yep Absolutely. So where did you, at one point, did you find the Lord? Well, our first baby, she was actually due on our nine-year anniversary. Uh, we met in January of 98, and she was due in January of 08, pretty much the same week. Mm. But six days before her due date, she passed away in my tummy. And so I had to deliver her stillborn. I like the term born in heaven more than stillborn. Stillborn has such a cold feel to it. But it is what it is. She was she was born with no life. And, uh, and it was heart-wrenching. And I didn't have the Lord yet. I knew who the Lord was, but... I was kind of had a Catholic upbringing and I didn't really understand salvation. I knew the gate was narrow and so I figured that was for preachers and nuns and missionaries and not for horrible, terrible sinners mm-hmm. who were drinking and smoking and doing terrible things. So I never really considered that I would ever actually get to go to heaven. And the fact that I had like my baby in heaven, which I never doubted, to me, it was really mind-blowing. For me, it was like she opened up the Wonka bar and got the golden ticket. You know, she was one of those few who actually got in, you know, and I was actually kind of excited for it. It was like, wow, a little piece of me is in heaven, and that's kind of cool. So my next step was I was going to start talking to God about how to get me on a road where I could actually get close enough to wave and blow kisses so that she would let she would know that mommy loves her and that mommy tried. And so that was kind of my next step in my faith journey. And then I was given a book called Left Behind by someone, and I was not a big reader, but they were really like, you got to read this book. And boy, they were right, because inside this book was about the gospel of Christ, where if you 
receive Jesus as your Savior. Your name is written into a Lamb's Book of Life and will never be blotted. That you can know that you're going to heaven. And I don't know whether I'd heard that in my childhood or not, but I know that I hadn't really received it. And the funny thing is I didn't even receive it until some table asked me to talk to me at my restaurant because their server told them I was reading these Left Behind books and they wanted to know more about them. Hmm. So I went to the table and I said, well, they're about these people who, if they believe in Jesus, and I started to tell them about it. And I realized at that very moment that I hadn't really received him for myself. And so like right there on that Friday night, telling the story like of the gospel, you know, I received it right there, and I realized that, that yeah, it's really kind of cool. Right there at the restaurant. Right there at the restaurant. At work, getting paid <laughs> for it. <laughs> By a customer. That's yeah. incredible. And so I just, it was so cool because I know as a believer that, you know, at that point, the Holy Spirit indwelled my body, and I've been changed ever since, and I wish I could tell that table you know, if they were Christian or not, that, you know, that was an epic moment in my life. Best moment ever. Yeah. What year was that? Or? Um, that was 2001. 2001. May. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It, 17 years ago. And um, it was a good thing because he knew, he knew that I needed it because my life was still very broken after losing, after losing my first child. Now, by the time I received the Lord, I did have number two child. Her name was Faith. I wasn't a Christian yet, but I surely had faith that God was going to give me this baby. So I named her Faith, and she was about two and a half. So the next step was going to be to get into a church. And then my husband's like, okay, what are these crazy books you're reading because you don't need a church to be saved? And I'm like, yeah, I know that, but our kid is two years old, and she needs a church. And he couldn't argue with that. And so then we went on our journey to find our first church. And it was pretty amazing because uh, my church hunt was was very interesting. I had a long list of questions, and I called about 20 different churches uh, with the help of the chaplain at the hospital who was there for me when my we child We didn't even died. have Google then. You didn't no, I did a lot of work, let me tell you. <laughs> there was a lot of books. research involved. And uh, I had a long list of questions that I wanted in a church, but there was just this one that, that answered all my questions as if it was an angel herself on the other side of the phone. So much patience and love. And that's the church where we ended up going to. They had an amazing children's program, a very wonderful, wonderful family to be accepted into, more so than the own family where I came from. But I think the big problem was that Vincent and I were in a very broken place in our marriage. And so what we ended up doing was serving this church so much that we really neglected ourselves and our children when the new pastor came and he wanted to sit down and and talk about what we were doing in the church he said okay so instead of telling me what you do do let's just keep this simple why don't you tell me what you're not involved in (laughs) (laughs) which obviously is a problem because when you have young children you have to you know your ministry is at home first and foremost and so um, it kind of turned into an area where we didn't know how to to say no when there were needs in the church, and the right. needs were great. And so then we ended up going to another church for a while where where needs were met, and we could literally sit at the feet of Christ. And what I learned from Scripture is that Jesus, during the whole ordeal, actually says to Mary that actually says to Martha that Mary chose the better, yeah. and so. 
pretty much since um, stepping away from the business and the church, I have refocused my priorities on what's important, and that's the ministry of my own home. I still love to go to church and tie the church and be involved in this and that or the other, but in this particular season in my life, it's really important for me to remember that my marriage and my children consume a whole lot of my time, and there will be another time in my life where I can just really serve the Lord, and I'm looking forward to that, but I'm not quite into that new season yet. That's great. What are, how what have the last ten years looked like for you? Well, the last you said 10 you've been years, married twenty five thirty. Have you been married thirty? We've been married twenty five and 25. a couple for thirty, and so it's been a it's been a, a long journey. Um, when our first passed away at, at at nine years into our marriage, though our marriage took a a pretty terrible turn, where I grieved poorly and my husband grieved poorly. We didn't believe in divorce, and so we didn't go that route. But we didn't treat each other very loving, and and we were we we in essence um, didn't do the best job of parenting. Again, I didn't have the best skills. My parents didn't have the best skills, and I feel like I haven't exactly passed down the best skills to my own children, not because I didn't love them, but because of my own issues of sadness and depression, um, it made it really hard to be the mama that that I really wanted to be, to be the, the mama that God called me to be. And so I've had some issues really of forgiving myself. And so I think over the past 10 years, that's what God's really been work, working on me is areas of forgiveness. It started in 2009. I was at a mop's and there was a lady there who was the pastor of the church and she wanted to come and share her story. And her story was such a reflection of my story that it started to really, really frustrate me with the alcoholic father and the mom who just wasn't really connected. And mm-hmm. and I just didn't like the way the story was going. And then she started talking about forgiveness and I'm like, okay, whatever. So I sat there with my arms wrapped around myself, holding myself tightly while I cried and just couldn't wait until it was over. And as I walked out of mops, I literally, not out loud, but I did tell God very intently that I will never, ever, ever, ever get in front of a mops group and tell them how important it is to forgive and let go. And so that's when God started to do a serious heart work in me. I had already about six months earlier began a journey of weight loss because I was almost 200 pounds. 200 moms asked me when my baby was due, and my baby was in kindergarten, and so I was working on my my exterior. So that day at Mops is when God came to work on that stony heart of mine and start to teach about forgiveness. But I didn't want anything to do with that. I didn't. And so I walked away all cold and angry. And then the very next day um, was the day before Bible study. And I had waited all week to do it. And so I had to cram everything into one day. And so I opened it up, kind of frustrated myself anyway. And it was about forgiveness. And I was like, really? Here we go again. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to talk about forgiveness. God, you're going to have to wait until the other side of the grave. Anybody and everybody who's ever cared about me has hurt me. I have an entitlement. I am entitled to feel bad, and I I just don't want to do this. So he put it on my heart to at least just read everything. So I refused to pick up a pencil, and I cried through the whole thing, but I read the entire Bible study, and I closed it, and I stayed angry. And I woke up the next morning and I felt like hungover, even though I hadn't drank. And I didn't want to drive and God's like, you got to go. And I didn't want to go, but I went. And for two solid hours, I didn't say a word. I just sat there and cried. I didn't really want to talk. 
nobody said anything. They loved me and they prayed for me. And then I went out to the lake because I still didn't feel like I could drive. And I cried some more out inside of the church. Mm. And it was just terrible. And it reminds me of Jacob's battle with God, you know, where he just had such a mighty battle. And he just... So Vincent gets home from work that night. And I met him at the door. And he's like, are you okay? I mean, he literally thought I was drunk or something. And I'm like, no, I've been fighting with God. And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well... Well, he seems to be wanting to deal with me on this area of forgiveness, and I just don't want to go there. I don't. And he said, well, I don't understand. What do you mean? And I said, well, he wants me to forgive, like, my my ex-boyfriend, Randy, who hurt me, and I can't forgive him, and and I can't forgive me for, like, sticking around for the abuse. And and he's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute here. I mean, if, if you're, like holding on to that like place in your heart it's almost like you're you're holding this place in your heart that neither me or god has any access to i'm not sure i like that it's probably the smartest thing my husband could have said right so wise because then i'm like oh god get it out of me i don't want to like hold a spot in my heart for him and so that was how the journey started now Hmm. that wasn't the biggest boulder in my heart that was the one that needed to come up and out first i think the biggest boulder was issues i had growing up and with my grandpa and rejection and the nightmares that i used to have about being rejected those were the big big Hmm. boulders that i had to deal with in my heart so uh and so a few months later i went and i talked to the pastor lady that had shared her story at church and i said i just want you to know that that your story really resonated with me and and that you know i'm trying to lose weight and and god's like trying to like work on the inside i seem to be getting this like whole body makeover thing going and i just wanted to say thank you for sharing your story because i was the one sitting there crying the whole time and she said oh honey there were there were a few a few of you crying and I thought wow you know you know and it started to open my eyes to how important it is to maybe share your story and that's one of the reasons why I'm really happy to be sharing my story now especially because I had literally told God you know that no I am not going to tell people how important it is to forgive (laughs) but for me I mean that's everything and I feel like that's what God would want me to have me share today and it's funny because um, about two years ago we were kind of church hopping around honestly we were we were just kind of living in the desert and putting tents up here and there and we were at a church and pastor started talking about forgiveness and I got all cocky in my seat and I'm thinking oh my god I could totally preach this I could I know so much about forgiveness and letting go God's taught me so much and I sat there all smug and cocky and then he started talking about forgiving yourself and that's when my cocky popped like a balloon and I was like nope Nope. A lot of years had passed and God had been working on my heart for a long time. And believe me, I understood how important it was to forgive people. And I have and I do. I mean, as soon as I'm offended, I I let it go. I give Mm -hmm. it to God because I know that otherwise I'm the prisoner. I'm the one being hurt. I get that. But my struggle for me is the forgiveness of myself because I've raised children now who were sad and depressed like I was. And how in the world can I take myself off the hook and forgive myself for the things I've said and the things I've done when I have sad children? And so, and so that's one of the things that God's been working on me most recently in the last couple of years that, you know, you just, you just have to take yourself off the hook and forgive yourself. I never meant to make bad choices. I never meant to, to raise 
you know, unhealthy, sad children. It's just kind of part of the process. But one of the things I've learned just in the last year is that God can restore. This last year has been absolutely the best year of my life. Uh, my marriage oh, had taken so a bad glad. turn for about 21 years. He and I just kind of kept going and going and, and not really being on the same page and it's really hard to raise kids when two parents are on the same page and so things got really really ugly both of us had to let go of addiction uh, we had both gotten addicted to alcohol i quit before he did i just celebrated three and a half years of sobriety yay, yay. by god's grace that's just so great what was the big turning point for you to do that i mean it's amazing right no it, it truly is amazing actually my best friend and her family were going to Simiamu one weekend, three and a half years ago, almost four, and one of their family members couldn't go, and it was paid for, and they begged that I would go, and I went, and it was amazing, and there is an actress in the Philippines named Judy Ann, so all weekend they kept, Judy Ann, Judy Ann, and it was really an amazing weekend because these girls are so, so loving and so much fun, and they put on my makeup, and I got to wear their jewelry, and we took a bunch of pictures, and it was just epic. And then the last night, Simiyamu Resort, they give you wood and s'mores to have a fire. And so there's a fire pit. And we all went down and had a great time. And I just never wanted it to end. And they all went up to the hotel. And I knew the fire was down there burning. And I said, you guys, I'm sorry, but i got to go down and enjoy that fire. And so as I shut the door, I could just sense the Lord put on my heart, all right, just me and you now. Almost to the point where I wanted to open the door and let those ladies know, I mean, this was going to be amazing. <laughs> I knew from the minute I shut the door that it was going to be amazing, and it was. I went down to the fire and had the most amazing five hours with God ever. It was a full moon, and looking across Simiyamu waterfront, there was Canada, and I could swear the animals were singing to me, and the sky oh. was dancing, <laughs> and I just had the most amazing night with God and um, he said that I know you can't quit drinking on your own and I'm gonna I'm gonna intervene and I honestly I can't tell you exactly what it was that he did that night but it changed the way I thought and the way I felt quitting alcohol was still gonna be and still is really hard but God did something to me that night to the point where in the morning when I woke up with the girls I said just so y'all know I am Judy Ann now and I feel like the Lord has given me a new name and a new heart and I went down to the fire pit and I retrieved some warm rocks and I'm holding one right now I keep them in my house Aww. as stones of remembrance for the night where where God came and let the animals sing and the skies dance and 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 help me with my addiction and and I walked away as Judy Ann and and my husband was confused he says I don't understand and I said well because you, one, I remember yeah. I met you as Judy so <laughs> for like, like oh, 25 years <laughs> and I said well you don't need to understand for one you don't usually call me by my name and number two you know you got to wait till you meet this girl and it's true because sober Judy is very different from the drunk Judy and so um, I began using my full name my first and my middle Judy Ann ever since that epic night where God um, helped me with my addiction it was truly miraculous it was life-saving and I love that you have stones of remembrance yep. for that precious time me too I'm glad I remembered I didn't think about it until the next morning and when I went and got the rocks they were still hot from the thing and I kept huh. them in my pocket all day and they're really dear to me so you you stopped drinking first by God's grace amazing yep. but then Vince still was 
How was that period for you from people that I've talked to who are drinking? I think I think one of the hardest parts is trying to deal with all the problems in the life in front of you without just giving you something to kind of relax and make you forget and all those kind of things. Was that was that a, a journey for you? No. No? No, not so much. I, Good. No, not was, so much. It was pretty smooth then. Yeah. Well, I was I was just gone back to work, and so I was busy. Yeah. I was busy with work. As a matter of fact, I was I had been home with my girls for eight years, and then they hit that teen tween stage, and I just couldn't wait to get back to work. <laughs> and I was working too much. Now I have had that. You know, I, I you got to find that happy medium when it comes to working outside the house and spending time with your kids. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Once again, you know, you, you really need to be praying and, and seeking God's wisdom in, in those things. And I feel like I remember you telling me something about that Vince had a piece in his story, too, because I think you said now he's sober and something about, did you yeah. go to another couple's retreat or I can't remember? No, no. We went back to Semiyama on our 25th wedding anniversary. Oh, did. Oh. But it, it got it got pretty bad because at first I didn't mind that he was drinking, but it seemed like he was drinking more and more all the time and then he he wasn't being honest about it and I can I can do addiction I understand addiction I can deal with it but but when your husband lies to your face that's when the real trouble started and so that's when I really had issues with alcohol and then there's the outside world looking in and thinking just because you you know don't drink doesn't mean you have to make your husband don't drink and so it was kind of a awkward time for me because a lot of friends and family were judging the fact that I was struggling with my husband's drinking when when it really wasn't so much the drinking as the dishonesty right but uh but he gave up the drinking and and the trust has been rebuilt and I'm just so thankful that we weathered the storm because after 22 bad years or you know well they were (laughs) you know the last year has been like a fairy tale you know nobody pinched me we're we're sober and our kids are healing and and I enjoy his touch again and I just praise God that he loves us and that he's been there for us protected us through God only knows what and provide for us in 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 amazing ways and so I just get to feel like I'm kind of living the dreams even though I know Jesus is coming back soon for whatever reason he's kind of got us uh, living our dream right now and I'm just really thankful for that. That's so great. I just love to savor the moment or the years or the seasons because there's always other there's other seasons and then there's the precious seasons that you you just try and soak in. Judy Ann, what would you say to any women? I've heard it's just kind of a, a growing problem, but there's a lot of people dealing with alcohol and secret and moms. You know, moms too just yeah. what is there something you would say well, yeah, the secret thing's hard because I kept my alcoholism a secret for two reasons. And one is because I'm a Christian and I'm a very outspoken Christian. And I don't believe that being a drunk and being a Christian really goes hand in hand. It doesn't reflect Christ mm-hmm. the way Christ needs to be reflected. And so it was a secret for that. But it was also a secret because I knew that if other moms knew that I was a big drinker, they wouldn't let their kids come over. And there was no way I was going to let that affect my kids. So I was a closet drinker. When I came out that I was an alcoholic, a lot of people were really shocked. But if I hadn't come out and told people about my alcoholism, I wouldn't have been accountable. And it was that accountability. It was that being honest and being real with people that made me think that I can't 
I can't do it again. And a lot of people told me I needed to go to Alcoholics Anonymous, and I get that. Because without God's grace, without whatever he did that night to me, I, I wouldn't have been able to do it on my mm -hmm. own. I wouldn't have. But I told people that if I ever drank again one more time, I would absolutely go to alcoholic classes. But the truth is, I didn't have time for them, and I'd rather be at work. <laughs> I didn't want to go to AA meetings. I wanted to trust God and know that He did this work in me. So for me, you know, God was enough. But, you know, if you need those classes, that's what they're there for. There's yeah. a lot of support there. I mean, I say get help. Um, a lot of times with alcoholism, the first step is admitting to yourself that you're drunk well that's what I was wondering because you said you knew you were how did oh, you get yeah. to that point you know I was seven I was 70 days I was 10 weeks into my sobriety God wanted me to put it on Facebook and I'm like no God <laughs> no I can't do that and he's like but you have to because I'm the one who broke this addiction to me be the glory and you know if you keep this as a secret I did something huge in you I'm like, yeah, I couldn't deny that. And so I went ahead and I put it on Facebook. And the cool thing about that is that, so, yeah, not everybody thought that was the coolest thing. I, I think my family was a little embarrassed for me. But, you know, a lot of people got support for my honesty and, and started being honest with themselves and their drinking. And it and it's caused a lot of people to look in at themselves. I know I actually like going to work parties at bars after work. And you get to see people, you know, a little bit more with their with their guard down, get to know them a little bit better. And then, you know, most of the time it ends up in them almost weeping a tear and saying, how do you do it? How do you come into a bar and not have a drink? How do you do it? And then I get to tell them, well, well, because God, he did a big work in me. And so I actually really do enjoy still going to bars. I know some people think that's really weird, but <laughs> but I do. I just to God's glory. <laughs> Amen. And Judyanne, you told me that the Lord told you to write your story, and the right. title is... That's right. Well, the first time he told me to write my story was after I talked to that pastor lady about forgiveness, and she encouraged me to do a 40-day fast, and I knew by the time I got to my car that the good Lord would want me to do a food fast, because I was well still dieting and well under my goals, and so I did the Daniel fast. And just a few hours into the Daniel fast, the good Lord said, you know, Judy Ann, if you really want me to heal you, I need you to write your story. And it made total sense to me. It really did. But for one, I don't like writing at all. And number two, my story is just, oh my gosh, it's terrible. How can, how can God do anything? I just didn't like the whole idea of it, but I got it. And then I told God for the next year and a half that I wasn't going to write my story till he gave me an outline. And so I, you know, I had a good excuse. I'm just digging in my heels, not doing it till he gave me an outline. And then I'm working on my health outdoors. I'm kind of running down the street. And it was a beautiful NSR day. And, and, it, and I, I wish I had journaled it. Those of you who have never journaled like me, you should, because I don't remember the exact outline, but God gave it to me right there with clear as day. I knew exactly what God wanted me to write. And I was just so moved and so excited that I threw my arms up into worship right down run the street. I just oh. was like, oh my God, yes, Lord, you've done it. And as I looked up with my arms up in the air, about five or six feet up to my right there was an eagle in all of its splendor and all of its glory mm. just looking at me just soaring at my exact speed the two of us so here we are 
just running down the road, me at full speed, and the eagle flying, just looking at each other, and I was like, I just cannot believe. It was such a God moment for me, one of the ultimate. Now, my husband, he says, I am Native American partially, and he says, my Indian name is Judy Soars with Eagle, (laughs) because that day was absolutely incredible. And then at the very end of the street, I just thought it was really cool, because as I looked down, there were two workers that had pulled over to eat their sandwiches, and their jaws were just open at the sight of me running down the street and worship with my eagle i'm really glad that somebody got to see it because it was cool oh wow that's awesome (laughs) yep and i wrote my story and i titled it my story for god's glory and i didn't like writing it at all it was actually what i considered vomit I considered it vomit because it was all that stuff inside that made me sick, stuff I didn't want to think about. And now God wanted me to, like, find some words for it all. (laughs) Oh, God, it was just awful. I did not care for the process whatsoever, let me tell you. But I did it. I finished it. And then I went to the library to print it all out because, yeah, it was long. And as I hit the door, I felt God's sense on my heart. He said, "Uh, it's out of you now. And... It was. It was a very miraculous thing that happened by me writing my story. And then Praise two the years Lord. later, there was a lady who was who was gearing up for people to speak at MOPS, and she had asked me to, to write my story a second time. And I was just blown away at not only how beautiful my first writing was when I thought it was nothing but mere than nothing more than mere vomit but uh how beautiful my story was and that it was also amazing to me how easy it was to write my second story that i titled god's glory in my story so i wasn't dragging my heels anymore i was chomping at the bed every minute i got to write about all the wonderful things that god has done in my life and what it showed me is how much healing had transpired in just two short years and so I just am thankful every time I get to share my story because it's, it's like getting a little bit more of the yucky stuff inside that makes me sick out. And so if God can maybe use it for His glory, whether it be a podcast like this or <laughs> maybe someday sharing my story in front of a mops and stressing the importance of forgiveness, I don't know what it is, but, but I still do need a lot of healing. So I, I'm super thankful for these opportunities to get to share. Well, thank you, Judy Ann. It's been a joy having you here today and so appreciate your story. I love how you talk about the Lord and I will be going in my heart with the joy that you have. Just speaking of the Savior, he's so good to us. And I also think that I has not seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him and yeah amen judy ann the best is yet to come oh that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> and then there's heaven Wee! Yeah, that's right <laughs> so for now let us be letters from heaven amen here is your p.s some extras about our guest well you ready for some questions you bet All right, what was your first job? Well, actually my first job was working at a toll booth at the ocean summer I got to spend in Long Island. Ooh, fun. When were you in Long Island? Guess that would have been 1985. I was 15 and I got to go stay the summer with my godmother who didn't have kids, so it was quite an adventure. 
Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. What do you like? I know you work in the restaurant business. What do you like about the restaurant business? Well, it is good for my mind. It's good for my body. I have to think a lot, walk a lot, and I do like that I make good money doing it. I I always think when I'm in a restaurant, wow, these women, they are packing in the steps. (laughs) You get your steps in, right? Yeah, you get your exercise, you get paid for it. And I work at waterfront restaurants, so I have an amazing view. I just love that, too. Oh, that's great. Yes, I remember seeing that. (laughs) All right. What is your worst service experience? Well, back in my early years, I had some gentleman ask me for a Collins. I'll take a Collins. And so I just brought him a Tom Collins. And at the end of the dinner, he said, well, I didn't order a Tom Collins. And he looked at his little five-year-old son over there who had drank the whole (laughs) thing. And it was not good. I didn't work there for very much longer after that. So, <laughs> way to go, Judy. Ann. That's pretty Serve bad. Serving alcohol That's, to five-year-olds. Uh, oh, ouch! <laughs> Makes you more careful in the future, though, about alcohol and kids. For sure, one well, a total accident. So, <laughs> all right, your best tip you've ever gotten. Okay, so I've gotten good percentages on bills, but my favorite tip that I ever got was one time that I had gone to a Stephen Curtis Chapman CD signing. And I got myself and a lady from church a CD, and I had them both signed. And I didn't really have a budget for it. And on my way to work that night, I was praying to God like I normally do. And I just kind of said, you know, God, if you could just cough up the 40 bucks I spent... That would be great. And by the time my my brain even processed what I had just prayed, I felt bad. I was like, oh, my gosh, seriously, like the Lord doesn't provide, you know. And so I just felt really silly. And so I said, you know, Lord, maybe from now on I'll just pray out loud so that, you know, kind of prayer doesn't kind of come out. So I get to work, and, of course, I'm in the very back of the restaurant, and it's a super slow night. I don't remember if I had, like, maybe one or two tables, but what I do remember is that one of my tables had come in and their food came out way before their drinks and it wasn't even busy there was no excuse it was terrible Mm. and their bill was fifty dollars and by god's amazing grace when i got my tip it was a fifty dollar tip on a fifty dollar bill for a table who obviously got terrible service not by my own fault (laughs) but it was if god spoke to my heart and said that you know judy ann you can pray for anything you don't have to pray out loud i just you know you can ask for anything and while we're on the subject of prayer i do want to say one more thing that i learned about prayer when i'm at the gym i get on the machines and the first thing i do is i thank god that i have the ability to get on these machines and actually do it but i don't sometimes i just kind of don't even say in the in jesus name i just move right on oh lord i'm so sorry and then one time it's like the holy spirit said do you really think I want you to hang up the phone? You know, I want to be in total communication with you. You don't have to say in <laughs> Jesus' name when it comes to praying. You can just keep on talking and then come back when you're ready. So don't hang up. <laughs> oh, I love that. Don't hang up the phone. It's so okay. now I never feel bad when I start a prayer that I don't finish because I'm not sure God wants me to, unless I'm with other people. If you start a prayer, it's probably good to finish it. But when you're praying on your own, you don't have to hang up the phone. He wants to just keep that communication going. And I I think that's important too. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) What would you like every restaurant customer to know when they come in? Well, I think it's important for everybody to know that when they come into a restaurant, 
their server is going to pay out a certain amount of their total sales. It's usually around 5%. So if a guest actually doesn't leave a tip on a $100 tab, their server just actually paid over $5 to serve them. And I don't think people realize that when they come into a restaurant. They think stiffing the server means not giving them anything, but it actually means taking out of their pocket. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize <laughs> yeah. that. Boy, that is a good tip. It's almost like you're giving your guests a little tiny loan. Each and every time they sit in your section, you're kind of giving them a little huh. loan. And people don't realize that. Stif stiffing a server is pretty bad. 5%, you know, cover their costs. <laughs> <laughs> What's a good average percent? It's not like around the top. 20%. 20% is a great tip. You yeah. bet. 15% if it's not great service. 10% if it's poor service, you know. But but yeah, 20% is a plenty good tip. It adds mm -hmm. up. Great. Well, that's good to know. And that's people's livelihood, like you said. What is your favorite movie or TV show? Well, I love Toy Story. I love all Pixar movies. But Toy Story is always nearest and dearest to my heart. Because my first child who passed away before she was even born, I held her while I watched that movie in the hospital. And so I am a big Toy Story fan. Always will be. Oh, well, I will be too now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Something a little less serious now. Your least favorite household chore. I do not like scrubbing the toilet. It's just kind of gross and germy. But about 10 years ago, I met a lady who couldn't scrub her own toilet because she physically didn't have the ability to do so. And it crushed her not to be able to care for her family on that level. And so whenever I scrub the toilet, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Kind of like when I'm at the gym, <laughs> you know, thank you, Jesus. My body works. <laughs> True that. Yep. Best money-saving tip. To not use credit. Mm. Just, you know, it's, I wish I had followed that advice. I I've, I've, have a terrible track record when it comes to saving money, but I've learned that you just don't do it. If you don't have the money, you just don't, you, you save. Any pet peeves? Well, my biggest pet peeve working in a restaurant is when the church folks come in on Sunday and they're very critical in spirit and they're not very nice. And then in the end, they leave a poor tip and um, it just really reflects Christ we're supposed to reflect Christ in each and everything that we do and when those people see you on Sundays especially in your church clothes or if you pray or talk about Jesus you know that's what they're gonna see as Christ and so that bothers me so 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 much so when a pastor starts talking about restaurants and and tipping and stuff in church you know he gets my amen <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the people around me, I'm like, are you listening, people? This is very important. You know, you have to take care. You have to reflect Christ in all that you do. And we we have a very, very, uh, an uber generous God. I mean, he is the king of generosity. And so we have to reflect that in, in what we say and what we do. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Who has been a mentor to you? You know, I've actually had several. It's really kind of hard. I guess growing up, it was my aunt. She loved Jesus more than life, and I kind of thought she was a Jesus Aww. freak and all that. But now I see how cool it is to be a Jesus freak. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just so thankful for all the praying that she did for me and all the Christian materials that she sent me. When I did finally become a believer, I had this amazing library of Christian literature because my aunt never gave up on me. And then there were other ladies through church who were, who were also um, very close and near and dear. A lot of uh, women have put me under their wing for a time or two. <laughs> oh, it's, such, it's such a gift your favorite verse 
Well, there there was the one that I clung to when times were really bad. One of the first verses that I really, really, really clung to was Joel 2, 25, where it says, I will give you back what you lost to the swarming locusts. And it's because I felt like so much of my life had been eaten away and eroded. And so I took this verse to say that, that someday God was going to restore what had been taken. And he has. And then I, I think another verse that I truly love is uh, Ezekiel thirty six twenty six, where it says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you, and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Because I have I have had many struggles with anger and unforgiveness, and, and God has really, really done a work in, in me. Oh, man, those are great, great verses. Uh, you have an uh, amazing husband and two lovely daughters. What is one thing that you admire about each of them? Oh, my kids are so easy. My first daughter, what I love so most about her is her love for people. She just loves to take care of animals and people and i just love her heart for humanity and then trinity my next daughter i really love that i love so much that she has a heart for christ first and foremost that makes me feel (laughs) amazing as a mom that i i must have done something right because my kid just is she's a jesus freak too yeah (laughs) what i love about her too is that ever since she was just a really little girl when things would would not go her way or she would get down she would go take a moment to herself and she would come back out and and like say ta-da like nothing had ever happened and she would just spring back to life and i always wish that i would be able to just spring back and bounce back when things didn't go my way and i was upset and so i love that about her and now as a 14 or 15 year old it takes her a little bit longer um <laughs> sometimes to bounce back and say ta-da but she still um, seems to have that ability and i'm thankful <laughs> <Ta-da>. <laughs> Well, my husband has a lot of wonderful qualities, but I do admire the fact that he's just a really good thinker. He thinks things through before he acts, and he's been a very good provider, too. He's been able to to take good care of his family, and I really appreciate that about him. Alrighty, how about what is your favorite Bible study you've ever done? Ooh, this one is so easy. Uh, My favorite Bible study, and I have done a lot of Bible studies, but... But there's not even a close second, really. Priscilla Shirer's Armor of God was absolutely amazing. Even if you don't have the videos or, you know, even if you only have the videos, you really need to see what she's done here. It When you read it and, and you hear it and you see it, that's like, wow, that is straight from heaven. Because, you yes. know, the enemy is very real. He has a plan. He knows us and and their strategy. And, you know, if we don't know much about him and we don't have a plan and a strategy against him, we're really more defenseless. And we really need to learn how to defend ourselves against the enemy because the fiery darts keep coming and we need to know how to protect ourselves and protect our family, protect our marriages. Um, And so that was a really amazing study. I enjoyed it very much. It's one I happened to have done too, and I likewise loved it. It was it was really really helpful. Yep. 
What characteristic do you love most about our God? There's a lot of, you know, as a woman, I appreciate all the love, but ultimately <laughs> what, what, what I really need the most um, is his forgiveness because I've gotten in a lot of trouble and made a lot of bad choices over my life and it seems like he's just kind of had to follow behind and clean it all up and and he sure does you know he's just such a loving God for constantly looking out for me in spite of me. What are you most looking forward to about heaven? That one's hard too because I think about heaven a lot. It's going to be awesome. So, But obviously, seeing my Jesus face to face is going to be the ultimate. Through my times, I've struggled a lot. And and uh, the one thing that, that I just have really clung to more than anything is I, I have a perfect husband in heaven. He intercedes for me. He prays for me. He loves me. He is so present in my life when it seems like sometimes, you know, my own family is not present in my life. I just can't wait to see him face to face and I guess just hug him, hold him. I don't know how it's going to be, but but ultimately that's the ultimate. But um, having a daughter who was stillborn that I never actually got to really meet and, you know, she's got all this time in heaven, I imagine that she'll be the next face I get to see. And I'm pretty looking forward to getting to meet her. I feel like I know her a whole lot less than I know my Jesus, right? I don't have to get to know him as much as her. And so I really look forward to to getting that time with my perfect husband and my precious daughter. Oh, thank you for sharing that. This wraps up another story of how our great God is at work in our hearts and in our world. To find out more about Judy Ann and this podcast, follow Letters from Home on Instagram. 2 Corinthians 3.3 And you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Until next time, go in peace. Thanks for listening. We just wanted to take a minute to let you know that just like you and your family, Purposely is also part of a family, the Krista Family of Ministries. Krista helps kids and teens learn and grow in their faith at King Schools and Miracle Ranch Camp. And Krista shares Jesus with people in the poorest, most remote places through world concern. Krista Senior Living is a community of love and care, and Krista Media is a place of hope on the radio. God is changing lives through these five ministries, and Krista is on mission to share the good news of Jesus. To learn more, visit krista.org.